0: looking for that song online. It was Alan Jackson's hammer and a hard hat and a hammer. And when you listen to it, there's somebody um, who's hitting an anvil with a hammer at the right times in that song. And I thought, I could do that. And then I came to my senses and I realized I don't even have the timing to pull that off, right? Uh, This song is about the celebration of blue collar work, about how it's kind of the fabric of everything, it's its there and you don't see it, that sort of thing. And uh, we played the song because I think it's a little ironic right now in our culture. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, uh, but employers are consistently reporting that they cannot fill skilled labor jobs. This is, somebody has a skill to do something specific that they've had to have a lot of training for. And um, as people retire, there's nobody to replace them. And it's not just that there's nobody to replace them. What they're finding is that there's a whole group of people who aren't even interested in the training. Like, these are decent-paying jobs. You could go through the training. You could do all of that work to get that knowledge, but nobody is stepping up for these kind of jobs. And I think there's a couple reasons this is happening. One, I think there's a low view of work in our culture that's why we're doing this series, God Works, because I'm convinced that God is at work, and he's the almighty creator of the universe, perfect being, and he still works. And if he works, work must be valuable for us. But what's happened is we've looked at work is this really terrible thing that you have to deal with until you can get to a point in your life when you don't have to do it anymore. And these jobs are looked at as having... No purpose and meaning, and there's a whole group of students now who have decided these are not purpose-filled jobs, and it goes against the very idea that God had that all work, it doesn't matter what it is, has value, purpose, and meaning for your life. We defined it broadly last week, if you'll remember. Anything from, like, housewife to uh, a blue-collar job to volunteering to Whatever you find yourself going to class, that's your work, and in it, there's purpose and meaning, and so we're, high, we're trying to have a higher view. I'd like to return it to what God had in mind, but this low view of work is really having an impact, and I think there's a second reason that blue-collar work is kind of tailed off for a lot of people, just a flat-up truth. It's hard work. There's probably going to be some blood, sweat, and tears that go into learning it and then doing that kind of stuff. And it's hard. And and we know that the scriptures tell us when mankind was put out of the garden, one of the consequences of that is that the work that we would do would be harder. So it doesn't seem to matter what kind of job you have. It's harder than it needed to be. It's more difficult than it could be or should be. But still, that's not the whole story. I think sometimes the church has looked at that, that part of the curse, and we've lumped all of work in that. All of work is bad. It's all difficult. It's all hard. That's not the way the scriptures write the story. The whole story is that before sin entered the garden, before woman was there, at a time when God said, this is good, mankind was working. They were given a task to do Here's what I think. I think this is so important um, that I think um, maybe we need to adjust our thinking on this, that in a perfect place called heaven, that someday you'll work there because God works. And in this place where you could have purpose and meaning and value, there'll be some kind of work that you do that's unencumbered by that difficulty So this is big kind of stuff. So we see God creating, and we talked about that part of it. But here's what happened. God rested, and when he returned to work, the scriptures seem to indicate that there was another kind of work that he did too. And maybe you don't see it. Uh, I think once I mention it and you start to look, you'll see it pop up all over the scriptures. But I would say it this way. I think one of the kinds of works that God does is God is a builder He's a builder, takes things from raw materials and makes them into something else. And I mean this broadly when I say it. I wanna give you five examples that I see from the scriptures, okay? So one, it's very clear that God's a nation builder. Starts with one family, um, finds the right descendant for that. That person has a couple kids. The next one has 12 kids. They start to have more, they become tribes. He puts them into a nation and he does that in a way to get that group of people to understand what it means for the world to see how God interacts with a nation, so they have they have a task, they're representative, they representatives for God in the world through that nation, and so He builds a nation. That nation He gives some very blue-collar kind of stuff to. He actually says, "I want you to build a tabernacle." Now, um, the tabernacle was not fancy; it was um, it was used. Uh, very uh, center of the camp. It was very important for them. Lots of symbolism in it. But it's, it's not ornate or anything like that, even though there was a lot of ornate things in it. But I don't know if you know this. In Exodus, there are six and a half chapters where God gives detail upon detail about how he wants this built. In Leviticus, there are nine chapters that God says, this is how I want you to Use this thing that I have you build. So God has an idea of what he wants them to build, and he has a very specific purpose in mind for it. And so he he gives the plans, and they go and they do the work. Inside this, there were things that God gave instructions for building too. The altar was one of those. He said, I want the altar built in a very specific way. And so there are detailed instructions in the scripture about how an altar would be built. I want you to see this. This is in Psalm 69. This is a little different. In Psalm 69, verse 35, uh, it says this. For God will save Zion and rebuild the cities of Judah. There was a time where Israel had been in slavery. They were coming out of it. And God had in mind that they would rebuild and that he would somehow resource them for cities and apparently this is important to God that they would do this. We also see God handing out assignments that are construction related. Think of Nehemiah. Uh, Israel has been captured and some people have returned home and they're living in Jerusalem but the walls are broken down in places and the gates have been torn off and Nehemiah's heart aches that this is the case and God lays it on his heart to do something about it. And the scriptures record Uh, It's kind of all packaged really neatly for us in verse 18 of chapter 2, and it says this. I also told them, Nehemiah has gone back to Jerusalem, and he's talking to the people there, talking to the people. He wants them to join him in this project, and he tells them about the gracious hand of God on me. This is not just me. This is God behind this project, and not just God. Look what God has done. He's got the king. I'm going to tell you what the king has said to me. So there's a lot of momentum here. What do you guys want to do? It's kind of a rally call. And they respond and they say, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Uh, Those two words, good work, ought to bring to your mind Ephesians 2.10, which we talked about last week, where God has gone ahead of you and prepared in advance things for your life to do that are good. And when it gets defined there, it's not just acts of service, it's not just things that you do in the church, it's the work that you do with your life, whatever that is, God had in mind that you would do good work. In this case, it's a blue-collar repair job to walls and gates, and God said it was good work. There was value, purpose, meaning in it. So here, so let's get the lay of the land. God created, God rested. When he was done resting, I believe he still created, it's who he is, it's part of his nature, but the scriptures are very clear that one of the things he started doing next was building things. He started building. And here's why that's important. You are created in God's image. It means you're a reflection of who he is. That God has given you Um, the authority to represent him in the world. You're expected to do that. And part of that is you, you kind of act like he would act. There's stuff that he's built in you to do, and one of them we talked about last week, there is something in us. We're creative beings and we were made to create. The other thing, I'm convinced that you are. I'm convinced you're a builder. Every one of you. There is something that is inside of you um, that wants to build something, and I'm talking about this broadly again. This this idea that you would um, take a bunch of raw materials and get to something, it can include all kinds of things. Uh, For instance, uh, we build relationships. We build businesses. We build families. I made a small list here. We build resumes. We build portfolios. Sometimes we build cities and homes and other infrastructures. We build teams of people. There's all kinds of stuff. And people get fired up about building things. Why? Because I'm convinced at the core of who you are, you were made to represent God this way. And when it's a part of who you are and you're living that way, there's nothing like it. Uh, Occasionally, a company will come along and create something that taps in to that gut-level feel for us when it comes to um, building things. I, I think of a, a company in the last 100 years, they took these little plastic blocks, right, and they stamped them out, and people went nuts over them, right? You all know what I'm talking about because it's on the screen, Legos. And, and people would say, oh, that taps into the creative part of kids. Have you ever, have you ever witnessed kids trying to play with Legos and adults kind of pushing them out of the way to show them how it's done? right, that happens. So this morning, we're gonna tap in to that desire to build by asking um, for a great Lego um, build-off, all right? I've already recruited a couple teams. Um, The the team upstairs in second service squared, you're gonna have to figure this out, but what we need is three people on each team. So the three people over here, could you head to that door and then wait, don't go outside yet? Uh, Rydell, could you take your team to the back? Back And then, um, Kelly, if you could get them to go around the table upstairs, I'll give instructions, and then everybody can get started. We're going to give you 10 minutes. This is not a lot of time. Um, where's... Okay, you're going to send them out there? Okay, here's, here's the careful instructions. There is a base. You have to build it on the base because we want you to bring it in here so that we can see it. And here's the final instruction we want you to build a great monument. I don't know what that means to you. We're about to find out. But you have 10 minutes to build a great monument. Have at it. All right? Well, they're off and going. I want to take you uh, back into Genesis 11 where something I think pretty cool happens. This deep desire in us to build gets revealed it gets revealed kind of in an unhealthy way, but there are parts of the story that if we paid attention to could be of real value to us. A lot has happened. We're only in Genesis 11, but a lot has happened. Mankind has um, chosen to disobey God. They've been put out of the garden. The flood has happened. Mankind is reasurging. They're making themselves known again on earth, and they make some decisions, and this is what we find in Genesis 11. This is in verse 3. This is where we're going to pick up the story. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. I don't know about you, but I find this kind of stuff fascinating. Have you ever looked at things that have been built and wondered who thought of that in the first place? Who had that idea? Who tried that? It, It was somebody like this. They, they wanted to do something, and they said, let's take some clay, we can bake it, and when we bake it, we don't have to go pick up stones, we can do this, and they start building. Look at, this is what it says. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. So they're, they're on a building project, and here's what verse 4 says. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves. Now listen, there's more to this verse and we're going to finish it in a minute because it's really important to what's being said here. But I just read you the two most important things that are a problem in this section of Scripture. I think sometimes what happens, this happens a lot um, in some of the Old Testament stories, is we get caught on the wrong things. If you look in the title above chapter 11, you'll almost always see the Tower of Babel. And what gets our focus is the tower that's built and the language that's going on. That's what's important. But I just read to you the two most important things that were disturbing here. They said, let's build ourselves a city. Let's hunker down and stay. Let's, let's protect ourselves. Let's do this. And then they said, and we're going to make a name for ourselves These are the two big problems, and I'll show you why. I want you to see how this verse ends. It says, otherwise, if we don't do this, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. What we don't want is scattered over the face of the whole earth, so what we're going to do is we're going to hunker down, and we're going to build a name for ourselves, and this is the whole problem with this story. Now, I want to show you why. Last week, I took you to Genesis 1.27, where God said that you're made in the image of man, or that we are made in the image of God, that ultimately, you're a reflection of God. You bear responsibility in this world to represent him. It's what you do. It's who you are. And right after he gets done talking in that kind of language, he assigns us a task, It's in verse 28. Listen to what this says. God blessed them. He's talking about male and female. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Three things. Increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. Two of those we can understand pretty easily. What does subdue it mean? Subdue it is the very work that we're talking about right now. It's the stuff that you do that takes the resources of the world that you live in and does good with them. It it puts them under your care, not under your foot, not in a domineering sort of way, but you're finding a way to marshal these things that God has given to do something's good. Now, here's what's fascinating. They were given this assignment. And what were they doing in Genesis 11? We don't wanna fill the earth, we wanna stay. We don't want to go subdue and represent you, we wanna build a name for ourselves. Odd, I think, just a little bit. That this was the very thing that got mankind kicked out of the garden in the first place. God said, listen, I'm gonna set the standard for what's right and wrong. Or you can, and you'll face the consequences of that. And man said, we're brighter, smarter, we got this. We're just as good as you. We're gonna set the standard for what's right and wrong. And it caused all kinds of issues. And then God gives, like, direction for our lives. There's meaning and purpose to be found here. And mankind says, I'd rather do it my way. I'd rather hunker down dig in, represent me, not you. Now, what's interesting to me about this section of Scripture is although they had the motivation wrong, the other thing that they did was a direct result of who they were created it, the image of. They built. And if we could take some of the clues from what they did and how they did it, I think maybe if we had the right motivation, we could live in a way that would honor God with our lives. And that's really my hope for this series. I think as a culture, we have accepted too low of a view of work and too many of us are drudging through it, too many of us are dreading it, and we're not seeing the value that God has placed right in front of you to experience. So I wanna take some lessons right out of Genesis 3, or 11, where we see, you know what? They did this, they did this, they did this. And if we followed the same pattern, we might become the builders God had in mind for us, okay? So we're gonna start with the first one that we see. First, we see them coming up with a goal. We're gonna build a city. And you're like, Blair, is this the sage wisdom of this morning? Yeah, that's one of them. You should have goals for your life. And as simple as it sounds, here's the truth. They've done research in the United States, and they know how many of us actually have goals for our life and how many of us don't. 83% of us don't set goals for our lives, which means we're just kind of going through life. We'll make it. We're going to do what everybody else is doing, and because that seems right. We'll get married because that's what everybody else is doing. We'll have a job because everybody else is doing that. I've got to pay my bills, so I'm just going to pay my bills. And we're just surviving. And I think God had more in mind for you than that. Maybe you're hoping. You're like, man, I hope I'm in the 17% that's got some sort of goal set. I don't have much better news there. 14%, another 14% of the U.S. population, when they set a goal, they do it in their brain only. Which is why when we go to set a New Year's resolution or any other number of goals that we set for ourselves, they fall apart in any time. Like New Year's resolutions usually make it six weeks. And then they fade. Why is that? You've never told anybody what your goal is. Nobody's holding you accountable. There's nothing there that's actually going to pull you towards the goal. Here's, Here's what they found. 3% three percent of the U.S. population has goals that they've written down. They keep them in front of them. They think about them. They measure them. And they tell somebody, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. Why? Because it has a level of accountability in it that nothing else does. And without accountability, we often fail. Uh, Tracy and I have discovered the value in having some goals and over the last few years we've been setting them with each other we've been sitting down around the New Year's just because it's a, seems like to be an easy time to do that and we've had conversations and we've realized looking back that not much has changed and so this year we decided that we would we would actually um, write the stuff down and we would have pretty in-depth conversations. and so I pulled up a spreadsheet and I started saying what it, what do you think God wants us to do what do you think God wants you to do Tracy and um, and we started like putting this stuff in short-term goals mid-term goals long-term goals and I was shocked at some of the stuff that made it on the list I had no idea that God had put um, some of those desires in my wife's heart And I never would have known except that we were having a conversation about where she wanted to go in life, that what God had placed in her to do or desire. And when I understood that, I was like, I can get behind that. I can help with that. But I couldn't help with that before because I didn't even know. Uh, I I know it sounds simplistic. I I know it's not easy because you can have a goal. Goal and still not reach it. By the way, give everybody a 30-second warning. They're gonna to have to bring their creation in in 30 seconds. It, it's not enough to simply have a goal. We know that because we can set goals. But what we've discovered is if you don't have a goal, you wander. You just kind of accept what's happening to your life as normal, or you're frustrated and you're angry, but you haven't made any kind of plan to do something better and by the way I'm talking broadly again for some of you what that looks like is you haven't set a goal for a relationship with your friends and those relationships continue to struggle you haven't set a relationship in your marriage to get stronger and so you're not doing the kind of stuff that builds a stronger relationship you might have it in here but you actually need to do some things that would actually pull that off and without a goal This builder that God made you to be, you'll fall short of. Builders need goals. They need to know what they're gonna build. And without that, you're just gonna coast and I'd hate for you to see that. So let's bring our builders in. Let's bring, oh yeah, I gotta get a table ready. And um, here's what's gonna happen. We ask them to build what? A great monument. I have no idea what that means for each one of them. But what we're going to do is we're going to have you check out all three designs. Go ahead and bring them up. Can we make sure that the... Oh, the flat's coming right there. Perfect. Oh, my. All right. You guys can stay here as representatives. That's good. Ooh. Okay, Rydell, what do you got? And here's what's gonna happen. I want you to study these carefully. I'm gonna ask you to applaud to to choose the winner. Now, what I mean is I want you to applaud for every one of them, don't be mean, right? Okay? But applaud louder for the one that you think should be the winner. Okay? Um, Number one. Okay? Number two. Number three, gentlemen, come here. Hey, give the other uh, team some uh, love. What inspired your design, fellas? Um, I guess we just just found the horse and and it fit fit perfectly. perfectly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I said a mountain. mountain. You said build a mountain. Okay. all right, and then, and then, so who was in charge out there? Um, all three of us were really working together. All right, why don't you give them a hand? Yeah, you can. There are two other things that happen in the scriptures that I think just happened with these teams of people. Uh, It was kind of funny. I said, how'd you come up with the idea? I said, I I had a mountain in mind. Uh, It's one thing to set a, a goal. It's another thing to initiate a plan. You need a goal, but then you need some steps to get there. You can see they decided to build a city, but then they built a tower too. The tower was a defensive thing. It was meant to protect them with their goals. We're going to hunker down and sit in the city, and we're going to make sure that we're safe. And so they had this plan, and these guys were executing it. They were were making the plan kind of work for them. Uh, It was funny. We did this in the first service, and I I asked the people who were watching them how things were going out there, and I love this. Uh, One of the teams that went out was a daughter, a son, and a son in law. And and the person watching said, the son-in-law had a great idea, but the other two wouldn't listen to him. (laughs) I was like, oh, she's going to pay for that later. That's awesome, right? There was a plan, but nobody would follow the plan. Um, This idea of building a plan is not very popular in our culture right now. We have become an immediate Like, what we want, we want to get right away. And I'm afraid that's not how building works. Building is a process. It starts with one thing that leads to another thing that leads to another thing, and you have to be patient along the whole part of that. By the way, Paul actually talks about this in a spiritual sense. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10, he says by this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. This idea that you would build with care is the whole idea of a plan. I love that it started with a foundation. Every, every place that you go into has a foundation, and it's the one thing that you don't think about. The only time you think about it is when the foundation fails. There's a... There's a big skyscraper out in San Francisco right now that they cheated on the foundation and it's starting to lean. And all the values of the condos are dropping drastically and people are freaking out about the whole thing. Why? Because the foundation matters just as much as everything else even after it's out of sight and out of mind. And the plans that you choose to make might take a long time to get there, but if it's not done in that order, you probably won't succeed. Sometimes we set a goal, but then we don't follow it up with a plan that makes sense at all. I, I was, uh, we were talking with my wife, right, about some our plans, and at one point in the conversation, she says to me, "Will you get your Will you get your calendar out?" And I was like, "Okay, what, what's happening here?" She's like, "Well, it's become pretty apparent to me." that some of our longer-term goals won't happen unless we get this one done in the first year that's so important to us. So I want to see it on your schedule. (laughs) Right? What were you thinking, right? Bossy! No, Um, (laughs) that's not what I thought. You know what I thought? She's right. It's so easy to set a goal, to have an idea. It's a completely different thing When you start to put it on your schedule, give it your time, give it your energy, and have somebody else holding you accountable to getting it done. But listen, my friends, if you want to step in to the life that you were always meant to have by God, a builder, somebody who does something, takes the creation that God has given you and does something with it for his honor and his name, you're going to have to have a goal, and you're going to have to have plans a process to get there that's going to take time and energy. And you're going to have to accept that it's going to take time and energy. Now these teams had one more thing that they were able to use uh, and they talked about it. I said, who's in charge? He said, we were all just, we were all just kind of working together. And, and I would tell you, uh, it's just this simple. Communication is a pretty big deal. In the Genesis 11, I think we have it on the screen, Genesis eleven six six said, uh, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. And people have looked at this and assumed that if we could just communicate with each other, nothing was impossible. But you have to keep in context what they were accomplishing. What they were accomplishing was going against God's design for their life. And if they kept communicating the way that they were, they could, they could do exactly what they wanted to do. They could hunker down. They could stay. They could build a name for themselves and not care about God, and they would miss out on who they were always meant to be. And God says, I'm going to mess up their communication so that they're forced to follow my plan. I really want them to lean into who they were meant to be. Can, can I just tell you from my experience, this seems to be the one that has a huge ability to give you success or failure when it comes to goals and plans. Even in my own home, I don't always know how to communicate with my wife. She has different expectations. She thinks differently than I did. She th- I thought she would just know these things, right? I, if you've ever talked to a builder, if you wanna know what drives them nuts, it's when the homeowner who's building comes in and goes, oh, I didn't tell you? I didn't want that there. I wanted it over there, right? And chaos erupts. Why? Because communication becomes important. You see communication um, with this group. They had a plan. They they communicated on it. They were going somewhere, and their communication was really effective. They were going to accomplish their goal. You see a, a communication happening with Nehemiah. He's telling people, this is where we're going. This is why we're going you guys with me and they got on board the reason your communication is so important because if god gives you a plan it will almost always involve affecting other people's lives and your ability to talk about that to share that with people to make it clear what's happening in your life is going to become really important but if you can't communicate with it can't communicate with others in your family, you can't communicate with friends, if you can't communicate with people who are joining you, the whole process of building can be undermined. So these are the three. These are the three. They're really simple. Like, they've been known for a long time, but I, I really believe they've been abandoned because we've had such a low view of our work. We've not made goals for the things that we do in our lives, because they're just humdrum. No, they're not. Your work is a gift from God into your life. It's meant for you to have purpose and meaning, which means you're a builder. What do you have in front of you that you need to build? What's God put in your heart to do? Maybe it's time for you to sit down with somebody, a friend, a family member, a spouse, Say, listen, this is what I'm thinking. Help me understand how this could be a goal. What do I need to do to put this plan into action? Who do I need to communicate with to allow this to work? Because if you don't, you could continue to be the 83% who just cruises through life, sees it as mundane, boring, just something you have to put up with, Or you could become who God always had in mind for you in the first place. You would fill this earth. You would take the resources that he gives you and you would build stuff that honors him because you're a representative of his. That's who you are. It's time to be a builder. Let me pray with you. God, there are so many things that we do in our lives right now that are just taken for granted. We don't see the value in them that you see. And yet all of that work, all of the stuff we do at school, all the stuff that we do at home, when we go to our businesses, all of the things that we do when we're with our teams, when we're working, when we go out and we volunteer, all of this stuff matters to you because it's the very place where you Release us to be the beings we were created to be. God, we represent you in this world. And we do that through the work that we do. God, it might be time for some people to set a goal to do better, to be better. It might be time for them to just have a goal, to start seeing the value in what they do. God, there's others here, they need to take a risk. You know who they are. They've been sitting quietly, hunkered down for a while, and it's time for them to leave the city and to listen to what you had in mind that they would go out and subdue. They would take these resources that you gave, and they would honor you with the way they choose to live their lives. Um, God, This work we do is a gift. I ask you would help us to see it as that, to embrace it as that, and to find the purpose, value, and meaning that you always meant it to have. Wake us. In Jesus' name, amen.